0: Hi there. I hope this finds you well and that you're tending to yourself in the best way that you can. I'd like to do something a little bit different today and answer some questions that I've been receiving on a website. I'll start with some easier ones and then get into two longer ones, which I feel definitely are topics that affects most of us at this juncture on this planet. The first one is, what do you think of intermittent fasting? So intermittent fasting is an umbrella term for various meal timing schedules. You have um, your alternate day fasting, your periodic fasting, and your daily time-restricted feeding, which I believe what this question is about. So this is the one where you eat two meals and then don't eat at a certain time, usually in the evening till like, let's say, 11, 12, 1 the next day. Anytime anybody asks me about any kind of diet... The first and foremost thing that I remind people is that we live in a culture which has serious body dysmorphia. There is so many levels of eating disorders that are guised on their health and healing and, you know, better performance. It's not just bulimia and anorexia, although as a culture, the anorexia is something that so many people that I have worked with over the last 35 years or that I work with today suffer from. It doesn't have to be something that's in forefront of stuff we need to deal with, but certainly it's an issue in a culture that is so externally referent where the human body has become a commodity. And we beat it and force it and do all kinds of really mean things to it without actually conscious awareness. So once we get that out of the way, we need to pay attention to what the reason for the fasting is. So many of us are dealing with metabolic issues. Diabetes is on the rise unbelievably. Fatty liver, for people who don't even drink or have had hepatitis in the past or use hardcore drugs, it's really on the rise. And really a major reason of it is a diet. So if you're suffering from those things, any kind of metabolic issues, intermittent fastings can be helpful. Obviously, if you're not trained in it, I would do it with somebody who knows what they're doing. But you also have to understand, first and foremost, you got to stop eating shitty. You can't eat crap and then want to do something radical, which this actually is a kind of a radical thing. And I would also temper the amount of time that you do it. Meaning, you know, do it a couple of weeks and see how you feel. Most of us are so disconnected also from how we feel that we can take these things and do them way, way longer than is necessary. Remember that if you're not eating and fasting for long periods of time, the body ends up burning muscle. So that's not a good thing. I do have a lot of patients that feel great from doing it. And my sense is, first of all, they start eating crap. They're actually not eating a lot of sugar or doing those kinds of things. So before one does something like this, I would say really pay attention to your diet. You can't eat really poorly and then try to fix it by doing something radical, although that's certainly the way our culture runs. Basically, for most of us, eating non-starchy greens and protein and not too heavy on the carbs is really ideal. And if you eat carbs, really use healthy oils like olive oil to make the blood sugar more stable. By eating it. So again, pay attention. What is your intention here? You know, if you have serious disorders, work with someone who knows about these things. I certainly myself in my youth really injured myself by crazy fasting, which was just the elongation of my addiction. You know, stopping drugs and then I would do this crazy, crazy fast. And in Chinese medicine, if you're familiar with the term yin deficiency, which many of us are in this culture from drinking too much coffee, not getting enough rest, um, pushing it all the time. This kind of diet can actually really be detrimental, right? So if you're doing the fasting on that level, it can actually create more issues for yourself. And again, most of us are not tuned in enough to our body. We do these things from our head and not what we're physically feeling. So that has to be kept in check. The next one is uh, one of the good standbys I get all the time. What do you think of tarot, astrology, I Ching, et These readings definitely can have their place, right? They can be really useful. But remember, the main thing with these is the meditation on self and to check our own knowingness and see if these things resonate, right? So if you pull a card, if you throw the straws, you do an I Ching reading, and then you're like, whoa, where would that come from? Always check yourself. To me, the gift of these things is not to give our power over to something else. It's really to check to see if this resonates. And if it resonates, how come we weren't paying attention? And in my own life, also what I see with my patients, is that people go to these things when things aren't right. We want a change. So either we know something is off, and then that kind of reflects that back to us, or we're actually not happy, we want a change. So... How about cutting out the middleman and just going to the change yourself? So again, if you use these things, pay attention to what your intention is. And again, use it as a way of tonifying your own connection to your own inner voice. As opposed to giving your power over to something else or someone else. And of course, like anything else, these things can be addictive. So we have to check ourselves. Another way of saying it is... Are you using these technologies to be more in the moment or to actually escape? And it's the thing that I always say, it's more about the intention of these acts as opposed to the action of them. If your intention is about connecting with self, it actually will have a different value to you. Now, here is a longer one. I'm just going to read it. I have been struggling for some time. I'm quite terrified that I'm not living out my soul's mission and will die before experiencing what I was meant to do or be on the earth. I finally got quiet enough to listen to my soul speak and it blew my mind. To be able to live in alignment with your soul must be a magical realm. I hope to maybe one day get there, but that's a tough road. Unfortunately, I'm such a resistor. I always get stuck in the pain, then reach for alcohol and whatever distraction I can to sidestep the pain. I can never seem to push through no matter how committed I am or how miserable I am. I prefer living in the sky of my mind. Even though it's quite lonely there, I really don't like earth much, but I'm trying hard to find a way in. I would like to do my soul proud. Do you have any suggestions on good holding points for when you're in a darkness that doesn't seem like it will ever end? My soul did say that I have the tools, I just need to use them. So this is really beautiful, it's really honest, and it's actually all of us at certain points in our journey, if not all the time. It is about quieting the energy down to listen. I mean, you got it, but the resistance is part of the path. No one, in my own experience, certainly not my experience or the people that I know, have these kinds of questions and then jump in and their life changes 180 degrees. It's always push and pull. Um, Hubert Selby Jr., one of my favorite authors, the guy who wrote Last Exit in Brooklyn and Requiem for a Dream, he suffered from really bad tuberculosis um, in the days where the drugs weren't really working like the way they are. And he had a really painful procedure of having a lung removed. And in those days, it would basically just remove ribs from your back and just deform you and pull your lung out. So he was in a hospital for a long time as a young man. And he was in this unit where there were a lot of people with TB. And people were dying those days. So his experience, similar to yours, although you're not dying, he had a young boy next to him in a bed next to him. And they wheeled the boy to surgery, and he never returned. And that was his come-to-Jesus moment. And that's when his soul spoke to him and he actually used those words. And his experience was the terror of dying, leaving this plane, without having done his soul's bidding. And that was the moment that actually really shook him. So some of us need that kind of intensity to wake up. For some of us, it's a slow nudging. It's more the latter for many of us. The way one can work with this is to quiet ourselves. Quiet ourselves, a couple of minutes a day, the thing that I talk about over and over. So when your soul knocks on your door like that, there is no going back. But it's also not magical in that that happens and boom, you go away. If that was the case, every person who's done ayahuasca and DMT and ecstasy would be enlightened. The point is those things are just little appetizers to whet your appetite to feel what it's like to be aligned with your soul, right? And don't forget, we live in a culture that's hell-bent on keeping us asleep. So part of it is we have to push against our own ego, which is totally frightened of this waking process. Part of it is we live in a culture that absolutely does not in any way want to support us because once you wake up, you're not the good consumer um, that you would be otherwise. So... Give yourself some time, every day, give yourself five or 10 minutes before you reach for that alcohol, before you reach for whatever distraction as you put it, which for most of us is our phones and the computer, you need to have a little bit of time to get quiet so you can hear that voice. That's the same for every person. We have to really pay attention to that. So the good news here is that once your soul gets a hold of your attention, There's no going back. And I love this line. I hear this all the time. You know, I don't really want to be here. I don't want to really be here. If you've incarnated here, some aspect of you wants to be here. It might not be a huge thing, but that desire that brought you here, slow down and see what the hell it is. Pay attention to what it is, right? Most people are in survival mode, regardless of how much money they have or what kind of love they have most of us are surviving, not living, right? So it's not about the externals. When the soul, quote unquote, knocks on our door, it's an imitation to go from survival into living. And the thing one has to remember is that it'll always be more peaceful and joyous, truly, but not in the way that we are told, right? We are in this, again, consumptive culture where the mode of awakening is really connected with like all this manifestation bullshit. You know, Hubert Selby Jr., so many of these people, Bukowski, these people who were not from the New Agey, but they were people who were true to themselves with all their wounding and their addictions. They weren't rich people. They didn't die rich people. They didn't die really famous people, not the way it is now. So understand that we don't have models for what this waking process is. And I think about this all the time, as a guy who's been practicing for you know three and a half decades, it's unbelievable how much more difficult it has become to wake up, because the noise is so loud. The fascism of this culture that we live in, which has become the world culture, is not only in political oppressions and prisons and all those horrible things, and this great wealth divide, which of course it is, but it's also internal. The reason this stuff goes on is we have actually disconnected ourselves, right? So pay attention. You have to break the hypnosis. Only you can do it. So the not so good news is you're going to have to die a lot into the things that you're holding on even though they're killing you. And if you can spend a little bit of time every day to let these things go, your journey will get much smoother. And really check that piece. Like this line that I always hear from people. I don't want to come back. I don't want to be here. Well, but you're here. So there was some desire that sparked this manifestation this time around. Look into it. If you're having a hard time, pay attention to what stays and what goes. So you want to clear that, right? Aversion and preference keep you stuck. Your aversion towards things or your preference for things to be in a certain way means you're not paying attention. So to have that direct clarity of what's going on here, why am I not wanting to be here? Pay attention to that. I actually wanna read you something from a good old Mr. Selby here, which really, um, he put his finger on it. I mean, guys like this, women like this, they are these souls that really have the honesty to see the bullshit and not think it's sugar. And they call it that way. And it doesn't make life easier necessarily, but it certainly has a certain level of honesty to it that most of us should strive towards. So this is a, I forget where this came from. I think it was a, something to do when, with the a, a Dream. I don't know if it was an um, introduction to it, which I don't think so, but it was something when it was becoming a movie. And this is um, a quote that he wrote. The great American dream is coming true for many. Obviously, I believe that to pursue that American dream is not only futile, but self-destructive. Because ultimately, it destroys everything and everyone involved with it. By definition, it must. Because it nurtures everything except those things that are important. Integrity, ethics, truth, our very heart and soul. Why? The reason is simple. Because life is giving, not getting. Right, So this is not about burning things down. This is not about socialism versus Trump. This is a very deep, energetic piece. Right, So again, this thing that I'm always going on about, like social media, these aren't things, they can be wonderful things, but usually they're about the beggar part of us. Look at me, love me. It's not about the giving part of us. And my own experience of just as a human being, being on this plane for so many decades is, You know, giving is the only thing that's going to bring some peace to your heart. Not codependent living. By giving, I mean actually loving yourself enough that you can actually love others the same way. And that doesn't really look like this new agey thing. It's not about wearing petroleum, running around and hugging everyone. It's really about less of yourself, less of your false self, more of your real self, right? Um, This next question actually talks about the shadow part of that, which actually I actually like, and I will talk, talk to you about that. Um, I hope that's clear. Question. How do I bridge the act of cutting off toxic relationships that didn't serve my true self? I'm finding loving kindness to those who I don't like, those who hurt me, that I don't agree with. And it goes on about um, cutting people out, goes on, it's a very long, goes on about... Um, how do you have loving kindness for everyone that you don't like? And can someone be an asshole or a vampire and then you should really just stay away? So the gist of the whole thing is this person's shun a will some kind of loving kindness. It's really important to take an honest inventory of where we're at. Right? People always talk to me about meta meditation, loving kindness meditation. Sometimes, rarely... That starts from an honest place. I really appreciate that exercise. I think it's powerful. God knows we can use more loving kindness. But you can't bypass the fact that when you're fucking pissed at someone, in your words, writer, that says someone's an asshole or a vampire. Yeah, assholes and vampires are real. What's an asshole? Someone who was really hurt so deeply that they hurt other people. Now, that's intellectual understanding. You can have a bodily felt sense of it. A vampire is the same way. An emotional vampire is someone who has not connected themselves to their source. So they want to vampire other people because they don't realize they have this massive ocean they can draw from. So they go to every little swimming pool, every little cup, stick their straw in it and suck it out. So intellectual understanding of this doesn't make it easy. Doesn't mean you can hang around these people. It's absolutely fine to step back. One of the things when I get people, when I'm doing a session with them and they shit talk someone, I'm like, why are you in that relationship? First and foremost, step back. Understand what you're getting out of it. Is it the joy? Is it negative pleasure? Do you enjoy being in this situation? What's the masochistic part? Step back. Then assess the situation. Is this someone they can be in relationship with? How deeply are you hurt? Take responsibility for your part, even if it's putting your head on the sidewalk as they steamroller over you. And then it's absolutely fine to step back. Trying to do loving kindness in these situations when you're actually pissed off inside, when you're so hurt, is just not honest. Right? So one of the lines um, this person wrote is, how do I truly find loving kindness to the people I perceive as my enemy for such a long time? First and foremost, step back. You know, loving kindness might not come right now. might come in 10 years. In my own experience with people who hurt me deeply, sometimes it was 10, 15 years later. And the loving kindness wasn't becoming bodhisattva. It was really been like, wow, that person was so hurt. And yeah, learned my lesson. And he still might be like, fuck you, asshole, for doing that, that was so unnecessary. And then i have a chuckle, right? And then at some point, not thinking about these people, they're not in your energetic field, you're not pissed at them, that's loving kindness. That's the healing. It's not necessarily that you become one and merge and like, it doesn't work that way. And this is part of what we're fed in this culture, right? Our ability to tolerate insanity is wild and it's something that's been bred. Remember, culturally, this stuff is bred. It's not like we just happen to be like this. It's ways that just neuters us, that gets us out of our own power. So loving kindness, start with loving kindness towards yourself. One of the things that I tell my students when I'm working and teaching healing is, you know, one can never underestimate the self-hatred we have for ourselves. right, all these things that we become totally immune to from the advertising, we're to this, we're to that, we smell like this, you know, we laugh at it, but these are real things. What are these things saying to us? We're not whole enough. We're pieces of shit. Consume this, you'll be better. You know, no one gets perfect love growing up, but you have to learn how to love yourself. And I don't see that a lot, right? So consumption is a pseudo love of self. And again, I'm not saying we need to all give everything up and wear hair shirts. I'm not saying that. I'm saying be conscious of why you are in the situation that you are. Don't try to mask it. Don't mask it by ass kissing. That's one way of doing it. You know, the people that hurt you and you keep going back for the pain. And don't mask it by wanting to be something that's not. You know, if you're not ready to release something, if you're not ready to forgive someone, you have to be honest with that. You just struggling with it is wonderful, right? So the struggle is the thing that actually allows the loving kindness to take hold. But none of these things are immediate. They're all processes. Lastly, there was one of these questions, another ones that I get about medicine, right? Like, what do you think of this medicine? That medicine by medicine, I'm talking ayahuasca here. Um, And again, there's so much going on now. A lot of people having these wonderful Experiences with ecstasy, MDMA, wonderful. Honestly, I don't see long-term changes with these things, and I've been around them for a long time, over 30 years. These are invitations, right? And let me just, before saying that, understand. I cannot tell you how many people, if you're wounded, if you have real deep wounds, I'm not talking about regular run-of-the-mill wounding, which we all have as children, if you have serious wounds, if you have sexual abuse wounding, if you've been raped, if you had emotional abuse, emotional vampirism, these medicines can really re-traumatize you. They really, really can re-traumatize you. You have to be very conscious and very compassionate to yourself. And many, many people that are leading these ceremonies are not really qualified to do it. There's some amazing therapists, there's some amazing shamans, but My own experience, there are more not than they are. There are people who haven't done their own work who are guiding people. This stuff carries over. This is energetic medicine. You don't have to be purified, but you have to be aware of your own damage if you're in a place of leading these things. And this is something you have to pay attention to. My own experiences, many of us, myself included, where we do, I was using these Ceremonies as a way of escaping reality instead of facing it. That will just intensify the pain and disconnect. And of course, it's fun to do these things. Of course, it's joyous. But remember, it's because the pain is so deep here that we want an escape. But also with these medicines, if you're calling on spirit to come and spend time with you, you want to know yourself on that level, and you go back on that Monday and check out again, there's a price to pay. You can't knock on that big door and expect things to be just status quo. You have to really answer, right? So something is off, you ask the question, you have to pay attention to it. Again, we're not embodied enough, right? So word of advice, word of caution, word of consciousness, pay attention. What is your intention? I understand if you've done a tremendous amount of work, you're very mature, regardless of your age, it'll be wonderful, these things. But... Most of us kind of stagger into these ceremonies, not really clear, and then absolutely no clarity of how do we execute what we heard. And I always say this to you, one of these journeys, it can take a year or two to fully, fully, fully download the information and put it into use. Just to go back three times a weekend or boom, 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 you know, once every weekend, just be aware of it, right? I'm not telling you what to do, just my experience. All these questions, the common denominator, the common link when you ask these questions is, you have the answers if you slow down enough. That's the whole thing. People always ask about meditation. Get in touch with what you're feeling. We don't know what we're feeling, right? Anxiety is the base for many of us. They're running around, that's why we don't stop. When people do meditation, they're they're manipulating reality. Right, so it's really wonderful. Yes, meditation on one level is find a space between thoughts, get into that open space and see what it is. Wonderful. But before you do that, what are you feeling? Because that in itself can be a bypass. I'm not talking about emotions. I'm talking about feelings. Feelings is your soul talking to you. Right? So it's like that Bukowski line where you're around someone whose soul, they're connected to their soul. It feels good friend of mine would just remind me of this quote um, today. Beautiful, absolutely, right? That is the truth. So when you're around someone, you feel good, you don't have to talk yourself into it. But it's the same thing internally. If you're feeling that connection, you're going to feel good. So now let's end by spending a couple of minutes and feeling what we're feeling. So drop your breathing down. Pay attention to how you're sitting or standing. Just put your posture back a little bit. Tuck your chin a little bit. Let it relax down. Open the back of your spine. Lift your head up a little bit just to elongate everything. Deep breath in your belly. Feel your hands, kinesthetically become aware of them. Feel your feet. And really become aware of the space between the floor and your feet. And just let everything get nice and heavy. Just drop all your musculature down. Why not check yourself? Feel your throat. Is there anything in your throat? Is there any grief? Feel your chest. Is there any anxiety? Feel your organ system. Is there any anger? Literally just feel. The feelings will give you the direction of what needs to happen, what you need to do, if anything. And remember, not knowing is knowing. If you wake up like most of us are now in these rapid ways and something doesn't feel right, feel your body, the answer might not come right away. This relationship might not be right. This job might not be right. Be tolerant. If you wait and pay attention, the steps get revealed one step at a time. The soul doesn't punk you. You don't get something that's not right and then just get abandoned there. But of course, none of us trust that, which is why we jump from one situation into a worse one because we don't have the patience or the knowingness, to tolerate the not knowing. Not knowing is an answer. Yes is an answer, no is an answer, not knowing is an answer. Learn to tolerate it. Literally, it'll get revealed to you one step at a time. If you don't wait, the ego will repeat the same thing in a different guise, usually a little bit darker, so then you have to go through it all over again anyway. So this is loving kindness towards self. Just this moment of having this relationship. So this moment in history we're in, the anesthesia is wearing off and we're starting to see reality. It literally is like becoming sober. So the numbness is wearing off. So some of us right away want to go get some procaine to numb everything because it's scary initially but if you let it be it actually gets easier so again the answer to all these questions is this be in your body learn to tolerate it learn to listen to it and let it guide you it's always weird when the numbness comes off initially it's just like sleeping on your hand and you wake up and like oh my god it's all tingly and weird If you give it enough time, it goes away. You just have to learn to tolerate that discomfort till your hand starts feeling again. I send you lots of love. I hope this was helpful. We will speak soon.